Hello, and welcome to Hitting Play, the podcast where we review, analyze, and discuss shows, movies, and other curiosities. I am Scott, and joining me is a very special guest. You may know him from his Canadian Comedy Award-nominated radio program, Am I Right? And now, you may know him from the new sketch comedy show, Cowtown. Evan Wilson, welcome to the show. Hello, how are you, Scott? I'm doing very well. I prefer uh, Am I Right to be referred to as the Canadian Comedy Award losing Am I Right. Oh, come on. What did you guys lose to? We lost to, so this was, actually, I think we're actually speaking on the evening of the Canadian Comedy Awards, the 2015 Canadian Comedy Awards, judging by a, uh, the tweets of someone who doesn't like the Canadian Comedy Awards. <laughs> it's particularly active tonight on Twitter. Nice. Um, so I think it's actually tonight. Uh, but we, so this was, now it's just like best audio or something like that, oh. uh, which encompasses podcast and radio programs. For us, it was just uh, radio programs. And I think we were beat by This Is That. The um, CBC radios, like, knock off of their own style. Oh, okay. You know, you know remember, you know, Casper Hauser did that This American Life parody? Yeah, yeah. Imagine that was like a radio show every week. Okay. Uh, but of like the regional CBC radio shows rather than just about one uh, PRI or NPR or whatever uh, This American Life's business. I guess they're independent now, aren't they? Ira Glass owns it now. But um, for, for those American listeners uh, that don't know, CBC is our national broadcaster. And unlike... Um, your public radio in the States, which is all these kind of like independent-ish stations, this is like one company across the whole country. And so you, uh, you know, they all have their kind of like cookie-cutter schedules that are the same, just with different titles for the same show in different regions mm-hmm. that are, uh, are, are formatted probably like 85% the same, hmm. you know. Maritime Noon is at noon Hosted by Costas Halavrezos in the Maritimes, <laughs> and uh, in uh, you know in Alberta it's like Alberta at noon, and it's hosted by Catherine Duncan, I think. I don't know. <laughs> I'm at work at noon. Did you guys have to submit a uh, a single episode to them for uh, to be nominated, or how did that work? Oh yeah, it was definitely a uh, it was definitely a submission kind of thing. Uh, basically, what did you have to submit? I think you might have submitted. A- 15 minutes of your show. That's it? And then they use that. Yeah, I mean, between well, between you and me and everyone listening to this podcast, I had juried the I had juried it the year before. Uh-huh. And I'm trying to think. I remember I was on the train. Uh, I told you I was in a chatty mood tonight. I was <laughs> on the train between Ottawa, Ontario, Canada, and Montreal, Quebec, Canada. And I was listening to the, the piece that I was supposed to jury. And I don't think I listened to a full radio show. Like, I think maybe it was it had to be between 15 and 20 minutes. Oh, wow. One of them had an interview with Bobcat Goldplate, and I don't think it was, I don't think I heard the whole interview. So it must have been shorter than that. And then it was that jurying experience that I was like, wait a second, we're better than every one of these shows. <laughs> so I'm going to apply next year rather than, like, have to take a knee as a, uh, take a knee <laughs> as, a, um, as, as a juror. Yeah, yeah. Wow, so what what was the, the bit, I guess, that you send to them to be nominated i think the bit i think what i did was took we start we started doing these like uh best of the year episodes Mm -hmm. and i think what i i think what i submitted was 
the best of the year of 2011 for the 2012 show. Okay. Or like the first 20 minutes of that, because then you would get like clips from like three or four different interviews. Because the thing is, like, we were an interview show or we were like a chat show, um, and you kind of don't get the full flavor of what it everything could be if you're just submitting one, you know, one thing where it's us talking to somebody for an hour. Yeah. I think, I think we decided to put in a clip show because then you could hear a bunch within 15 minutes. Oh, that's smart. Yeah, it was, uh, well, hey, look, it got us there. Showbiz. Yeah. And that was that in Toronto? It was in Toronto. It was at the, uh, the famous Royal York Hotel on Front Street in Toronto, Ontario, which uh, was always like, Growing up, watching like game shows and things like that, Canadian game shows. Uh-huh. That's how you knew like anything that was giving away more than like two hundred and fifty dollars, they would stay at the Royal York. Right? And they'd be like, <laughs> promotional consideration provided by the following. And it'd be like, the Royal York is where people stay when they come to Toronto. Oh, that's funny. So uh, yeah, it was really like uh, it. It really held a place in the imagination of a young coach potato uh, like myself. Now we should probably go back and explain actually what Am I Right was yeah. for the listeners, because it's still available on iTunes, right? It's still there, yeah, or you can go to uh, cjsw.com slash Am I Right. It was, a, uh, it was a radio program hosted by myself and my, uh, my dear friend and colleague, Jesse Pruden, where we basically picked comedians that we, that we thought were funny and that we wanted to like, you know, give us a little bit of attention, and <laughs> uh, we would chat with them for the better part of an hour, and it was broadcast on uh, CJSW-FM here in Calgary. That's the, the, the community station out of the university, and we would air Wednesday nights from 11 till midnight. Yeah, um, it was a great show. I, I always... Oh, thank you. I found it early, very, very early on iTunes, probably 2010 or 2009, just kind of uh, when podcasts, when there wasn't the quite the variety we have today. I mean, even I have a podcast, which is sad. <laughs> But uh, I remember hearing Paul F. Tompkins on something, and then I saw him on VH1, uh, his show Best Week Ever, and just did a search for him and found your show. You had interviewed him a couple of times, and uh, then you had also some other uh, famous comedians, and I really liked when you guys interviewed comedians, because they were very candid with you. They seemed to be very open, more so than they would be with on other shows. I mean, there was no Nerdist at that time, there was no... Uh, I guess there was never not funny, but you had to pay for it at that time. Yeah. So there wasn't, I'm not trying to say that there was no alternative to you guys, because that doesn't sound <laughs> like a glowing endorsement, but uh, but it, it was something about your show I really liked. I think, well, thank you. I, first of all, I appreciate that. That's very nice of you. Uh, I don't know that I've ever listened to a full episode of it, so I don't know what you were hearing in it, but um, <laughs> it's funny. I think that, like, as far as you're talking about people being candid, I like... I think that, that Jesse and I started doing it at the right time. Mm -hmm. um, as far as, like, the first time that we had Paul Tompkins on or the first time that we had, uh, say, uh, Tom Sharpling or, or, you know, any of these guys, it was like, it was basically through Twitter that we were able to say, hey, you want to come on the show? We're legit. Here's the link. And, you know, this is a time when, like, you know, these guys who might have like 100,000 or a quarter million followers now had like 8,000 followers. Right, right. Wasn't like <laughs> their at replies was just a cesspool of, of people like screaming for their attention. And then, you know, it was before everybody, 
you know, or not just everybody, but before people had their own, before famous people started getting in on like having podcasts, Yeah. you know, before like, you know, Chris Hardwick or before Mark Marin were like, Oh, you know what? This is like, this is, this is a, a broadcasting form. And Jesse Thorne can get famous off of doing this, <laughs> you know, when there was like real, like anybody could kind of jump into it and, and just figure it out. Yeah. And, you know, comedians decided, oh, you know what, I don't have to just go on everybody else's podcast. I can start my own. And, you know, like, it's, it's, there's kind of a walled garden there now. I, like, I don't think if we were to have started today or, or a year ago, we, like, a Paul F. Tompkins would have been quite so quick yeah. to jump on it, because he's got, like, all these podcasts in studio to do with friends. I'm just using... Uh, Paul Tompkins as an example, and he's also been nothing but generous to us. Oh my goodness! I remember I, I saw a tweet that uh, I distinctly remember this, where Paul Shear was like, "I just got asked to be on the show," and then Paul F. Tompkins replied and said, "Oh no, these guys are legit. You know, it's a great show. You'll have fun. Yeah. Go, trust me." Yeah, exactly. And that was that was that was kind of it. Like that the yeah Paul Shear. I think it was Paul F. Tompkins and and uh, Tom Sharfling who who tweeted at him to do that. So. So yeah, it was it was, you know, it was totally a different world. Where I mean, it was nice uh, because we didn't have to come up with a concept for the show. Like it wasn't, uh, you know, Tom Sharpling currently on the best show likes to talk about like, what is it, the Gilligan's Island Hour or whatever it's called. <laughs> and he's like, you, you know, you have to like mega figure out what your show is and have a hook. But we didn't have to have a hook at that time, and and uh, people would just come because I guess they didn't have a thousand other people asking them. To yeah. do their podcast for free, so it was. Uh, our timing was was pretty uh, was was pretty fortuitous. Can I say that word on a podcast? Is that fortuitous? Did I, did I use it right? Even I'm not sure that I used it right. You did. You did. Excellent. I'll put okay. that in the description. Oh, thank you, thank you. <laughs> but, my uh, my parents would be so proud. <laughs> when uh, you guys had Tom Sharpling on, and then I heard you were actually invited in studio with Tom. That's when I knew you guys were were legit. <laughs> invited is quite uh i think i may have um so i was going to uh, uh new york for a i was going to new york for a friend's wedding and i was just yeah i kind of just barged my way on to um that i may have um i may have actually gone on to the message board and been like hey is it, i'm gonna be in new york does anybody like want to go see a ucb show or something like that and then uh, somebody DM'd that was connected to the show and said, hey, you should really ask Tom uh, to hang out in the studio. He lets people do it sometime. And I was like, oh, can you ask for me? And then uh, that's how that all <laughs> worked out. So that's awesome. That was, that was due to me saying to myself, you know, I'm probably never going to get a chance to ask to go hang out in studio. And that's, uh, you know, if, if I wasn't... Uh, uh, if, if I wasn't willing to be so inappropriate as to ask, I don't think that ever would have happened. And uh, I certainly was pretty surprised when he even let me talk on air that time, too. It was uh, thrilling enough to, to be in those studios. That was awesome. Yeah, I was listening live. I remember hearing that and going, oh, yeah, okay, I know I know who Evan is. <laughs> I know of this guy. <laughs> no, I had listened to the show by then. That's great. Yeah, it was it was it was really cool. Like, cause it's it's being in studio there, and I don't think I'm I'm, I'm telling any tales out of school or anything like that. But he, it's funny 
I also uh, I also had the good fortune of being on um, Stop Podcasting Yourself mm-hmm. just this summer here. And you kind of like you build, obviously you build these relationships with these strangers in your head. I mean, that's like the most obvious thing you could say about podcasts. But I don't know about you, but when I listen, it's like I have this picture based on like the two or three pictures I've seen, kind of how things are going to be operating mm-hmm. in the studio. And in both of these cases, especially with Tom's, it was not nearly what I had expected. In terms of what, like you, you thought it was going to be the physicality of of the the performance. Okay. Yeah, there's a different there's a different physicality to what Tom is actually doing in the uh, you know in the studio. That I mean, it comes across. I think you know he definitely he's giving like a super energetic performance you know as he's as he's as he's doing the show mm-hmm. and I don't think I had expected it to be quite as physical as he was and this is before the puppets made their uh this is before the puppets made but I can see how the puppets could have been a you know were definitely a uh you know how 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 he could perform the puppets in there <laughs> and you know how he's always referring to isn't this crazy that we're doing puppets on the air yeah yeah puppets on the radio but I can see how that would have seemed natural because there's a real there's a real kinetic energy to what he is doing that I think comes out in the energy of the show, but it doesn't necessarily come through. Um, you, you don't know that that's where the energy is coming from. I yeah. should say. Yeah, it, he puts a full effort into those shows. You know, it takes a lot out of him, especially these live shows too. I don't know how he does it. Are you going? Are you going to one? I'm not he... able to make it. I know he's not going. They're going to be in Boston, Sharpling and Worcester Live. I think they're probably sold out by now. I don't know. You should check. I will check. Yeah. I'm encouraging everyone I know who's interested to go to one of these shows so that I can live vicariously <laughs> through them. <laughs> yeah, I, I've seen photos that people have taken and posting them on Twitter. It looks great. Uh, how wouldn't it? How could it not be? It's so fun. John Worcester comes out, you know, as like the characters on the show. It's just, uh, it's an amazing experience from what I hear. <laughs> we are in special times, I think. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, one thing I want to mention, too, about Tom Sharpling is I liked when he was on your show. Like, those were great. I When he was going over Canadian geography with you guys, it was just hilarious. Or the uh, listing the members of, of the Jackass crew. That was something that was actually... Uh... That was something that we heard from a number of people about afterwards. People were uh, not only surprised that Tom had enjoyed Jackass, but that he was as like um, as conversant in all of this Jackass trivia um, as he turned out to be. Oh, he even like he divided them into subcategories. Like these guys are from this crew that joined in, and well, yeah, was it? He, you have your uh, KY people. <laughs> Other people, uh, but we all knew that. I, I don't think I need to to go over that. I guess this is like we were taught for for people listening uh, to this part. Uh, we were talking before, and I was like kind of snobbish about people who knew what planet different Star Wars people were from. And I realized as I'm saying, you have your CKY crew. I'm like, oh geez, this might even be worse than knowing Star Wars planets. <laughs> See, the the it it takes different forms. It's all the same thing. <laughs> Actually, I was uh, I was I was pulling together some things to uh, to drop off at the local Goodwill um, as I'm a pack rat around my apartment here, and I 
uh, DVDs I was looking to get rid of, and I had uh, Jackass 2 and Jackass 2.5 in the discard pile. And then as I was bringing the box down to the car to get rid of it, I was like, you know what? No, I'm keeping these. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, but as much as I enjoyed you know, Tom being on your show, there was nothing like when you had Tom and Andy Kindler on together. Oh, man. That was unbelievable. And I, I encourage anybody listening to this, please download that episode. It's just two hours. I think it's two hours, right? Yeah, it, it was. Uh, it was. It was an hour for the radio, and then we gave a bonus forty-five minutes back to people who downloaded. I think so. Uh, check that. Check that out. Actually, I've really been uh, on CBC Radio. They have this thing that they're doing now, where for some reason they're airing podcasts on the radio, <laughs> um, but but not like you know, CBC podcast or something like that. It's like, they're, it's so bizarre. Like, you'll tune in in the middle of the day. They're playing, like, how did this get made? But, like, a 10-minute version of how did this get made? Or they're playing, like, a 15-minute version of the Louis C.K. interview on WTF. Or they're playing Radio Lab or something like that. Huh. And I've just been, I've been kind of aghast at this, if I can be completely honest. Like, there's plenty of Canadian independently produced comedy podcasts and radio programs that you could be uh, you could be doing here. And I've really been kind of a jerk on Twitter about, <laughs> what about Am I Right? I, you know, and then, like, in small writing, I'm like, and there's also, like, uh, stop podcasting yourself. And there's also um, a retail nightmare. So there's these other Canadian podcasts. And then there's Am I Right that you can play. Yeah, yeah. Really pushing them towards the Kindler and Sharpling episode because it's, like, kind of undeniable in its greatness. Oh, it was magical. Which I can say because it's, like, they care, like, I don't think Jesse and I speak for more than, like, five minutes of this two hours, so I, I feel like I can say that. But then the guy was finally, after, like, three weeks of me being such a dead, uh, <laughs> he listened to this and he was like, oh my god, this Kindler Sharpling thing is so great. And now I'm hoping that we'll get them on, you know, 15 minutes of the Kindler Sharpling episode on the national broadcaster so that people can discover the magic of, of those two together. Oh, that would be amazing. Now, my, my endorsement of that episode is invalid because I created the, the opening that you played for them where Andy Kindler is singing Rush. I really hope that makes it into the CBC broadcast. I, I don't think that he's even, like, a fan of Rush. Like, I, 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 I think, like, he did the, the, obviously, the Tom Thumb part that you put into the, into the song there. But if he goes on and he's, you know, this is this is live from the Saddle Dome, uh, Andy Kindler singing Rush, and then this might become his, like, signature bit, but I don't think he actually cares about Rush. It's not that he likes them or doesn't like them. I just think he probably has no opinion. Yeah, yeah. He may be saddled with this for life <laughs> of the month of the border. Oh. <laughs> uh. That was so funny. Any any time Andy Kindler w was on with you guys, because how many times did you have him on? Oh, geez. Seven or eight times? Yeah, it was unbelievable. Well, uh, it was to the point where you guys were able to make, like, a best of Andy Kindler. <laughs> yeah, but then he appeared three or four times after that. It was really one of those things that was just, like, love at first sight uh, between the three of us. We had him on whatever year it was that he was doing um, Last Comic Standing. Uh-huh. And which is, which is kind of, it's funny, because I think that the people who hired him on Last Comic Standing were hoping that he would 
kind of come on and be the uh, Simon Cowell. But what they discounted was the fact that Rand- uh, Randy Andy <laughs> loves comedy, right? Yeah. Like, yeah, he loves taking shots at people, but more than that, he loves comedy. And he was so excited about all these people, and he knew the way. So we had him on for the second last week of... Uh, of Last Comic Standing, he was, like, so excited about how it was going to end that, like, 40 minutes into the show, he's like, hey, can I come back next week so we can talk about what I'm, like, you know, what I loved about the people who didn't win? (laughs) And he did two weeks in a row, um, unprompted, and, uh, you know, that was it. That was it. That's great. We were set. We were sold for life. Yeah, and he seemed to, like, really get along with you guys. Like, he really enjoyed... Being on the show, I mean, not that people wouldn't get along with you guys. It wasn't like gotcha journalism or anything, but <laughs> it, it was awesome. It was like uh, I was really rooting for you guys every time you had like a big name, and and you guys like were making them laugh, and and you and you and Jesse and Andy really had uh, a great chemistry on the air. It was always a joy to listen to anytime uh, I saw on the feed that there was a new episode. Oh, well, that's great. I, uh, you know, I, I appreciate that, and I think I can speak for. Uh, Andy and Jesse, because they like, well, I don't know that I would speak for Jesse. I, I actually, he might be a bit of a wild card on that, but uh, <laughs> I think Andy and I uh, appreciate that for sure. Those episodes were uh, <laughs> were so so funny. There's so many funny moments. It is, uh, was it his entourage? Uh, how, what was that about the uh, the vowels with the entourage? Yeah, I, I think, you know, and like I could do it, but I'm going to no, let no. people seek this out. Yes. Because uh, I can't do it justice. Uh, it's a full-time part of his uh, his act. As it should be. As it should be, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, Andy, uh, Andy and Tom, like you could not get uh, you could not get uh, better than that, or even Andy, even just Andy, and of course introduced by the um, the Tom Thumb. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was yeah, that was so worth it, taking the time to put that thing together for you guys. I can't thank you enough for giving it uh, the airplay it, that it doesn't deserve. No, you got you did like so much good stuff uh, for us to help us. Like there was the Am I Right movie that we <laughs> shared around. I'm actually sitting in my living room here. Um, you, you had also done that. Um, you had also done that. Uh, the comic of Jesse and I. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, which uh, it's uncanny how close uh, you nailed my apartment uh, on that including the chair that I spend most of my time in that I'm in right now. That's weird, That is yeah. actually sitting framed on my wall uh, right now. Oh, awesome. Yeah, yeah that was a pure coincidence. Go. I was like, well, let's give him an easy chair to sit in, and then you show, I think you tweeted a picture to me. I was like, that's weird. <laughs> that's right, I did, I forgot that. Speaking of just Last Comic Standing, have you been watching it at all this year? I have not watched it at all. I, you know, I was, I was, I was with some friends this afternoon who were talking about it, and they obviously asked if I, uh, if I had been watching it. And uh, I don't have cable here, and it's not airing anywhere in Canada, so I can't stream it um, on, uh, you know, on any of the CTV website or anything like that. But when I was asked at this thing today, I said, um, "No, I haven't been watching it, but I've been watching Norm tweet about it." Uh, every, every Wednesday night or Thursday night or whenever it's on. And I immediately regretted saying that as it came out of my mouth. <laughs> well, Norm, Norm has been great. I haven't, I'm not caught up yet. I've watched a couple. I just, uh, anything Norm MacDonald is in, I watch. He's just hilarious to me. 
Yeah, it's he is he is. Um, I'm actually I'm I'm excited. I'm going to see him on October 3rd of this year. Oh, nice! And uh, the guy is is a marvel. Like he, it, I to me, I mean, I'm not a, a stand-up comedian or anything, so I don't know that I have the tools for it. But like, I don't know what it is that makes him the funniest person on the planet. Yeah, you know, anything that he can say is. You know, everything out of his mouth just comes out like a joke. Like he and Todd Berry are kind of the, the same to me in that aspect, where it's just like, you know, it's all you know, a good like sitcom. It works because the characters react the way that people would actually react in certain situations. Yeah, and that's what makes it funny. It's almost like there's this like understanding that you have to get of Norm before he becomes the funniest person on the planet. <laughs> but, you know, once it's there, like once you, like you're almost reading what's funny into it so that you're doing the lifting and he doesn't have to, which then bends itself around and makes it so shocking that he cried the last time he was on Letterman. Yeah, yeah. There's something that, the, the more that I, the more I'm exposed to Norm, the funnier I find him. Um, and I can't put a thumb on, I can't put a finger on why. Yeah, it's just the, it's like a one of a, like Todd Barry too, it's just a one of a kind delivery and there's just, it's so subtle that you, you can't detect it, but it's there. It's something, something there. Yeah, and the thing with Todd Barry, like, if, like for me anyway, what I take away from it and, you know, if Todd's listening, uh, I'm sorry if this is, if this offends you or anything like that, <laughs> you know, when you watch that crowd work special, which was like one of my favorite things that I watched last year. Like one of my favorite things, period. My favorite, like not one of my, not one of my favorite comedy specials, but one of my favorite things I watched last year. Like there's almost like quotation marks around everything out of his mouth, and you like, you know, his intent is to rib the person, but he could say anything there, and it's funny. Uh, and I guess that's what's finding your voice is as a comedian. Mm-hmm. I don't know, but with Todd Berry, there's quotation marks around what he says a lot of the time, which is what makes it funny. Yeah. But Norm doesn't even give you the benefit of quotation marks. <laughs> so I hopefully when I go see him, I will become <laughs> more articulate about what I like about this uh, this guy that I like a lot. But uh, we'll find also, we also had a great uh, interview with Norm MacDonald on uh, Am I Right? I was going to mention that. He was another guy that was just really opened up with you guys. Like I, I felt like some people felt that they were kind of above calling into the radio show. And I did not get that from him at all. He was so nice to you guys. And if it's great, if you go and look at, uh, somebody has actually taken that, taken that interview and, um, and they put it up on YouTube in five or six parts and the YouTube comment people hate us to the point where it's actually really worth reading. It's kind of a triumph that you two really? <laughs> the interview that we did with him. Or, no, they loved him, but hated us. Huh. Which, uh, which, was, which was pretty great. We got called everything from punk, college kids, to virgins. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I think that we really came out the best that we could from that interview with uh, the YouTube commentarius. Wow, that's hilarious. But yeah, that was that was a really uh, that was a, that was a really great uh, time with with him too. It's kind of it's, like I say, it's kind of you know I don't think we would get him now. I don't think that you'd, you'd need to, uh, or you know that he would need to do that kind of press. But man, we kind of came in at the perfect right time to to be able to just like reach out to these dudes like that oh, and yeah. uh, and do it. So 
another one that uh, we were just briefly talking about before we were recording, but that Anthony Jeselnik interview, that was a guy that when I saw, you know, like the newest episode, I downloaded it, I figured, well, this guy is a jerk. I've seen his stand-up. You know, let's listen to see what he says to you guys. And I figured he was going to be condescending and everything to you. And just the nicest guy and very, you know, uh, insightful, very thoughtful. And I, I realize now the genius of his comedic persona. It's like that's all part of his act. You know, it's so great. Yeah, and, and the whole thing, too, he says to us on that episode, he says something like, you know, I wanted to see if I could get laughs out of the most uncomfortable, vilest things possible, almost as a uh, as a challenge to myself, is kind of how he put it. And mm-hmm. then it like totally turns away from like, oh, this guy's a jerk, to like, it's almost like he's just like this dude trying to solve a puzzle. Yeah. Um, which, I mean, maybe it may, maybe that's like letting us off the hook for thinking some of like the revolting things he says are like, oh, it's just a joke, so he can say these things. <laughs> but, you know, he's so funny that anything that lets uh, lets me off the hook for laughing at it, I'll probably take. <laughs> and you, you hear from, you know, what, the things he's saying, he's a real student of comedy. You know, he puts a, a lot of reverence and uh, appreciation to the people that have come before him that he admired. It's not like just some college guy that kind of just, you know, oh, I'm funny and kind of stumbled onto this uh, uh, career, you know? What does he say? He's he's basically trying to uh, he's he's trying to do Jack Handy. Oh yeah, yeah. In that interview, right? He's like, I'm just trying to be as economical as Jack Handy and do what Jack Handy did. Um, which, you know, I, I don't know that he's you know I I can see it. I can definitely see it. But he's also put his own his own spin on that. Yeah. Um, how was he on Last Comic Standing as the host? He's good. He's good. He's very you know his typical self very dry and witty you know poking fun at the hosts and everything which is which is great it, you wouldn't think there'd be a good dynamic between him and norm mcdonald necessarily mm-hmm. but uh yeah it's very very funny you could see they uh they let him you know tear down people pretty well which is good and because norm norm's another guy i don't know if they thought that he was going to be that critical judge but Norm is very, you know, like, oh, you know, very complimentary. But one thing about Norm that I didn't quite get from Andy Kindler is just out of the blue, he'll just be like, I didn't like it. Yeah. You know, it's just, uh, it's very, it's very, very funny. There's no way, sometimes I'll watch, like, I watch the first couple of episodes, just try to guess, like, how Norm's gonna think about these people, and just, like, I I have no idea what he's thinking. Oh, really? Yeah. Did, did you happen to read, he did an interview with The Hollywood Reporter a couple of couldn't have been a couple, it must have been early last week. It was really interesting to see what his, and like I said, he may have, I may be repeating things that he said on the show, but he, he said something like, I didn't think I was the right person to be the judge on this show. He's like, or he's like, basically the only thing I feel comfortable judging people is about how they behave morally. <laughs> um, and then it was really like, there was, there was kind of an extended takedown of him, you know, taking down what people see as, edgy material and how there's like no risk to it and that the whole risk now is to go on and not be edgy or you know to 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 have like a a uh, you know an edge where you're taking a position that you know isn't just you know countdown to what you think your audience wants because they're all like young you know young people who live in cities or whatever yeah yeah he says it better than I do, uh, so that's why you should check it out. Hollywood Reporter, uh, I think it's a zine, 
Um, <laughs> I need your help to get page views. Do you get the KFC commercials in Canada? The new ones? I have seen the Norm KFC commercial. Yeah. You know, good for Norm. <laughs> but I watched it and it just kind of like totally washed over me. Yeah. What, what's your take on that? I thought the uh, the Daryl Hammond ones were were weird, and I knew they were kind of going for a weird vibe. I, I honestly think the Tim and Eric stuff kind of changed the landscape <laughs> for a lot of people. I think a lot of... Like the Old Spice Tim and Eric stuff? Yes, yes. It's like, I, I think a lot of these um, ad agencies are like, oh yeah, let's go weird. You know, the kids really like weird stuff. And uh, that Daryl Hammond thing was just so weird. I, I didn't like it. I think maybe it didn't work the way they wanted it to, but then... When I saw Norm, I thought that was just kind of like a one-off as a joke. Did you see the um, the commercial where Norm took over and he kind of like put the tie on and he's just saying like, well, you know, I'm in so many words saying that he was like the new colonel. And then he just kind of shrugged at the camera. Did you? Did you <laughs> that, that's what sold me on it. I'm like, all right. It's like a little Norm McDonald still comes through on these. Oh, big time. Like there's, there's a look in his eye. Like Norm can only play Norm. Right. So that makes, and that's the other, that's the other thing. That's why it's so crazy. Like I, like I think you're onto something with the like, you know, the Tim and Eric has has changed uh, the way that. I think Tim and Eric. I think it's it's less. This is what the kids want these days. But it's like, ad agencies are probably filled with people who love Tim and Eric, and they're like, oh, we can now do our weird stuff in ads. Yeah. And sell it as we'll look at these Terry Crews ads now. Uh, we can do your thing like that. And then, you know, and, and it's, I don't think that the creative types are necessarily changing their point of view as much as they're finally going to be allowed to do what they want. But the fact that you would have Norm, who is like notorious for not um, b- becoming characters other than himself as a, as a pitchman, <laughs> that's supposed to be a lot. Like, you may as well have Norm as, as Ronald McDonald. Like, it's just not going to work. Yeah, yeah. Or it's not going to work as Ronald McDonald. It might work as as a, a independent Ronald McDonald bit. as Ronald McDonald. Right, right. No relation. <laughs> uh, for Jesse's sake, I gotta say a boom. <laughs> <laughs> oh, another. Just uh, before we move on from Am I Right, I just wanted to also talk. Do you remember when you talked to Andy Daly? Yeah, that was yeah. hilarious to me because he he was like. You guys were so, um, I don't want to say loose, because you, you, you guys were conversational more than he expected, I think. And he was like, really? Like, this is what we're going to do? Like, this is the show? <laughs> it was just the funniest thing. You could tell he kind of got a kick out of it, because it's not, you know, your typical, you know, call in and promote your stuff and let's, you know, get into it and standard show. It was very, very funny. Well, it was, uh, that's actually, it's interesting you bring that up about it being so loose because that was the show, that was the actual episode where I was like, where I first proposed to Jesse, how would you feel if we just ran these interviews without editing? <laughs> no, without, without editing a ton of them. Because when we had started out, it was like, you know, we would try to do a half an hour, 25 minutes, and we would kind of set up the context of the person through like playing a couple of bits and you know us talking about what we liked about them and why we had them on the show and then it got to the point where I don't know if it was we became more comfortable in our skins talking to people and you know we felt like we could stretch these things out and if the people were going to give us time then we would be willing to 
to take the time, but that was the first one. I can remember editing that, and I was like, there's no, I mean, you know, this is, you know, easy for me to say because it was less work, and maybe somebody listening, maybe the CBC podcast show that like, <laughs> just drags on forever, but I always noticed that it was like people who are into comedy always want more, right? Like, there's a reason people can listen to a three-hour best show or a two-and-a-half-hour Never Not Funny or a two-hour comedy bang-bang, right? Like, if it's something that you like, you want more of it. Sure. Um, but we were, like, we were we really edited stuff down. We would, like, cut these things in half. Uh, and it was that Andy Daly, the first time Andy Daly was on, I was like, why are we cutting these down? Like, we're having so much fun, and if we're laughing, then people who get it are going to laugh, too. And maybe not everybody's going to get it, but the people who, are, who, who don't want more are not going to be the regular listeners anyway. So let's give them more. Yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, that first Andy Daly interview was the one where I was just like, no, we're not editing unless it's over over an hour, but then we'll even just edit it for the radio and then the podcast version will become a bonus length. Well, just moving moving away from Am I Right, I, before we do, I just want to say it was a great show and it even pops up once in a while. I think you guys had one not too long ago, right? We had a one with, uh, it was just when the best show came back. With Tom and uh, Andy, that wasn't uh, Andy was not quite successful in uh, in actually getting onto the show. Yeah, that was a little disappointing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, people thought it was a bit, but it was uh, it was not a bit. It was <laughs> it was technical uh, inexpertise. So make of that what you will. But still, all of those great episodes are are still there. So I encourage anybody that hasn't uh, checked them out, please do. Uh, it's, uh, it, you guys had some great interviews and, uh, I'm glad they're still up for people to, to check out. Well, thank you. And, uh, and, and thanks for all your support on that. You were always a big supporter and, and that's something that we definitely uh, appreciate it. Oh, please. No problem. In fact, you know, again, getting, getting into this, it was, how do, how do I say this? Cause I, I talked to you guys about this before the, am I right movie that you mentioned? <laughs> I should clarify for listeners. <laughs> what happened was. I created a logo for you guys because I am trained in graphic design. Yeah. And you made some reference like, uh, you know, check that, check out this great thing MC and Friends made for us. He makes, uh, how did you say it? He makes fan fiction look like a laundry list or, or something, something to that effect. It was a, it was something you were making fun of like fans make fan fiction, but check out what, you know, what our fans made, something to that effect. <laughs> And so I just we didn't offend you. I hope did we? No, no, not at all. Please. Okay. It uh, to me, I just thought about that fan fiction about a podcast, which I'm sure now exists in a million different forms. But at the time, I was like, that is so stupid that it's funny to me. And when I, you know, try to make something like that, I go all in. So I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna make a script page of fan fiction about their show. It's just the stupidest thing. It was about uh, Jesse ranting on the air about uh, uh, TGIF and you storming in and wearing a members-only jacket and a Spider-Man toque. You know, I try to throw in a couple of Canadian words. And uh, my toque. <laughs> it was uh, yes, toque. I had to uh, reference my Canadian American dictionary. <laughs> Turns out it means hat. Uh, it's a beanie. Oh, sorry. For a winter hat. <laughs> it's a Neil Pert hat. Yes. Well, that's a, you know we could 
we could go on and on about the differences between the toque and the El Perth hat. Oh, uh, but I don't know if that's I don't know if that's what the listenership would uh, appreciate. No, no, probably not. <laughs> but but anyway, I tweeted this out to you guys. I'm like, oh yeah, here's some fan fiction, and uh, Jesse just said, oh you gotta you gotta continue this, and uh, I think Bonaventure, a uh, friend of Am I Right, and also had been a guest on our show had said, oh, you got to put me into this. And uh, more and more people wanted to be a part of it, and I, I wrote them in. And so it turned into this thing where every week I would just say, hey, listen to Am I Right? Check these guys out. And attached to that tweet would be a new script page. And once, oh, I, once I got going, I couldn't stop. So I think it ended up being 53 weeks. Yes, I think that's right. And then you, were, you would actually start casting uh, the roles <laughs> as well. And... Uh, I think it was, uh, for some reason, that we, we did not go the private parts treatment in this. And you had Andy Daly playing me and uh, Tim Heidecker playing Jesse. Oh, yes. Uh, and the ghost of Tim Horton, I think, was Paul F. Tompkins? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, yeah, that's what it was. But George Shabalopoulos plays himself. Because <laughs> he was a friend of your show at the time. Well, I know that, but <laughs> the only person that gets to play himself is George Shabalopoulos, which is like an executive's decision. <laughs> Oh man, <laughs> and and it was it was one of those things where I'm like, you guys don't really know me, you don't know who I am, and so I can only imagine that this looks like the weirdest thing. <laughs> that just like, oh, you know, like if I got a fan of the show that's uh, writing about us, oh okay, and it's like, oh okay, more and more pages come in, and then it lasts for over a year. Well, the fun part, I will uh, I will say that uh, we were relieved that when you came on the show, it was a. Uh... It was as fun and easy an experience as as it was because we were like, we were like, this is really great, but we weren't. You know what I mean? It was just like this guy could be the most intense <laughs> dude we've ever dealt with. Like this, this might be a lot to handle, but let's do it and see what happens. And it turned out it was great, and we totally, uh, 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 you know, we <laughs> we just didn't know what you're getting into. Right, right. And uh, thankfully, it turned out great. Yes, I, I am dedicated to any bit that I uh, embark on. You really, it was like the uh, the uh, the sideshow Bob standing uh, stepping on rakes. <laughs> yes, <laughs> uh, is what that was. Uh, well, I was relieved that you were relieved, so I'm glad we ended yeah. on good terms. It was great. Check it out. CJSW.com/slash/AmIRight. There you go. All right, now Evan, we have to talk about Cowtown. All right, I, I prepared a little Calgary timeline here. Okay. Great moments in the history of the city. In 1875, Calgary was founded. Okay. In, in 1979, the X-Men fought Alpha Flight at the Calgary Stampede. <laughs> in, uh, in 1989, the Flames won the Stanley Cup. Oh, you're forgetting like a huge one, dude. Well, okay, what, what am I missing? The Olympics. Oh, cool runnings. Hey. How could I forget? Yeah, cool. Well, cool running. I think is ninety-two. That wasn't in Alberta. It it was, yeah, yeah. But it was cool runnings. Was not a documentary. It was a movie that came after. Um, you know, it came after. Uh, cool runnings came after the Olympics actually happened. Dougie Doug was not an Olympian. He was not. He played an Olympian. Oh my goodness! But I don't know if he did his own stunts. <laughs> I have no idea. I'm like I could go. I could probably go and check that out at Canada's Olympic Park, where you can still ride the bobsleigh. Oh, really? But, but it costs like 
70 bucks or something like that, and they only give you a short little bit, so I've never been up there, but I'm sure that there's like a, a Planet Hollywood-style <laughs> explanation of how all of those things went. Wow. That's awesome that they still kept that, though. Well, I'll let you get back to your list after this, but it's really interesting because Calgary, uh, all of the, the stuff that they used for the Olympics is still being used because of the altitude of Calgary, um, the speed skating oval and the Nordic Center in Canmore. People come to train for other Olympics from all over the world here because it's like a legal form of blood doping. Oh, I see. Okay, yeah. If you can train like at our altitude and air pressure, if you go somewhere, you know, like Vancouver, that's a little bit more close to sea level, you're going to be able to uh, to perform a little bit better, apparently. So, like, all of our stuff is all still, you know, it's all still used, except for I, the bobsled must not be. If, like, you know, just a, like a yokel, like, you know, me can go and, <laughs> and uh, do a run, but maybe not. I might be totally wrong. They must still use it. Because I don't think they're making their money 70 bucks at the time or whatever. But. Yeah, you can't imagine. But anyway, I took you off your list. Oh, that's okay. Well, it had one more. I was building to this. 2015, the premiere of Cowtown. Yes, yes, this is huge. It is. Huge. Now, Cowtown yeah. is currently available to TELUS Optic subscribers in Western Canada, but soon for the rest of us in the world, all of the episodes will be available on YouTube. So this is how this is going to go. Uh, the first uh, sketch came out tonight, I believe, and we are on, this is the 13th of September, 2015? Yep. On the Cowtown Comedy YouTube channel. And so what we're going to do, we're going to be rolling out Sundays, Tuesdays, and Wednesdays, a sketch a day. And then on Fridays, the full episode with those sketches in it will be released. Okay. So... Over the next month, every Friday, a new episode of Cowtown until they're all out there for uh, everybody to watch. I think that it's worth waiting for the episodes to watch at once, but that's just how I prefer to uh, consume this. If you want to share a sketch, well, then watch uh, watch the one sketch at a time. But, you know, um, I, I think that it's... Uh, you know, if you if you want to be a part of it, or, you know, or if you want to enjoy the whole thing, wait till Fridays. Watch it on Fridays, and then rewatch it, rewatch it, rewatch it until the next Friday when you can like sit and like eat a meal in front of your TV, or you know eat dessert in front of your TV, or eat something like that in front of your TV, and just enjoy twenty minutes with your feet up. There you go. Yeah, a, a revival of TGIF. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> just watch it six times in a row. And it'll be just like TGIF. Exactly. Uh, now, how many episodes are there in total? So there's so so we did one pilot episode, which is kind of like it's it's a good uh, the, the pilot episode is a good appetizer for what comes next. But then there's five episodes of the regular season, which I think is a huge step up in quality of like every every aspect of quality is higher in the. Uh, in the five episodes in the season that that's about to come up over the uh, over the pilot, the pilot shows a lot of potential, but it's pretty rough. And then the uh, the five episodes that come out, I think, are uh, you know they're 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 worth your time. They're they're pretty funny. They're very funny. The performances are really great in in most cases. Myself excluded is is why I say in most cases. But oh, it's no. really. Uh, it's uh, yeah. It's it's. I I, I think that uh, people will enjoy it. It's it's so basically the pitch that we've been giving is, you know, Portlandia in Calgary, 
which is not something that people should get intimidated by. No, no. You have to know Calgary. A lot of the like a lot of the way that the writing worked was like what's something people say about Calgary, and then it kind of morphs into its own thing. The show really, I think, stands on its own rather than just being like a corny like, hey, what's uh, what's something people know about Calgary? Like, like it's actually I, I was uh, I had some friends who are big uh, Always Sunny in Philadelphia fans. They were in Philadelphia a couple weeks ago. I was visiting with them last night. They were so excited about Dave and Buster's because Always Sunny in Philadelphia talks about Dave and Buster's. <laughs> they didn't realize that Dave and Buster's is like not a local restaurant in Philadelphia. <laughs> and they were so excited about it um, just being there. But part of the reason it works is because Dave and Buster's is universal to everyone. The concept of Dave and Buster's is funny. And whether you know that it's actually a giant company that's all over the eastern part of this continent uh, versus, you know, thinking that it's just an inside joke. Yeah, yeah. Philadelphia. Like, I think that anything that is like a local reference in Cowtown is a universalized thing that, you know, it, it doesn't matter what it's called or what we're talking about. Like, the, the, the idea of the show doesn't rely on you knowing, you know, what, uh, what's actually happening here. Yeah, and I think you guys were really good about not overwhelming us with not so much like inside references, but localized references or, you know, uh, there was not a lot of like uh, local politics or something, the stuff that would kind of go over our heads as American viewers. Uh, there was a, it was very universal and there was a lot of standalone sketches I noticed that could have been, you know, in any sketch show. Right, yeah. Well, and it's funny, like I, it was, there, there was a lot, like, I don't know that I'd call it pressure, but... We have a, uh, a famous mayor here. Our mayor is really famous across the country, and we really wanted to work him into a, uh, a sketch, uh, a couple of sketches, and we actually had a fake mayor hired that we could call in for these things because it's like it's hard to make a Calgary-based show. Or, you know, like the, 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 our thought was, how can we do a Calgary-based show without talking about the mayor? Yeah. Right? And then we realized, oh, you know what? Well, actually, there was one sketch that I wrote that uh, the mayor got himself in a little bit of a jam and we decided that maybe we didn't want to <laughs> make this sketch about him in the end. But we didn't. Um, but, you know, it was just like when that sketch didn't work, it was just like, ah, do we really need to have the guy here? Uh, you know what? No, it doesn't matter because it's about, like, being funny rather than being Calgary. But, it, you know, I think that the city kind of inspired everywhere that we leaped from to get where we got in in most cases, I think. And th that sketch is available on YouTube right now, right? That's the Mayor Takes a Nap sketch? Oh, no, there was another one that we had, that we had written for this season. The Mayor Takes a Nap. It's funny, the Mayor Takes a Nap thing, The we, we had contacted the mayor's office. The mayor's also, like, a funny guy. He's super charming and, like, you know, people love the mayor and he loves the spotlight and he loves being funny in front of people, and, and uh, he's, he's, you know, he's been on the Rick Mercer Report, which is a big, uh, it's like a corny version of the Colbert Report. Yeah. But off of our fake news program, this hour is 22 minutes, and typically he does like three minutes of super incisive, really smart, sharp commentary on whatever the news was that week surrounded by like 20 minutes of just goopy like hey let's meet a famous politician and make him like you know mm -hmm. there's one a famous one where he had uh, 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 uh an mp skinny dip with him or ride a <laughs> roller coaster with him 
but the mayor, like our mayor was on that and he was like, you know, he won hearts all over the country. And like, we had this radio show, the debaters and the mayor kind of came and took over that. And it's like, people want him to do that. Right. And so we got in touch with him about this nap for Nenshi thing. And, uh, he wouldn't do it. Really? He didn't even like want to see the, the script. He told us outright, or his people told us outright, yeah, the mayor doesn't want to do this. And so we put an ad on Craigslist to say, um, <laughs> hey, we're looking for someone who can impersonate Mayor Nenshi for a television pilot. Please send us a message if you're interested. <laughs> and this guy sent an email and he was like, yeah, I, I, I play Nenshi at parties. I'm a Nenshi lookalike. And this is this guy's job. <laughs> and the mayor is like, you know, famous. If, if, if you're in Calgary and something is purple, it's a reference to the mayor and not to Prince. Purple is so associated with Mayor Nenshi. And this guy showed up and he like had a purple, he had a suit on and a purple uh, tie and a purple shirt. Huh. And uh, he is the Nenshi for hire. And the thing that cracked me up the most is um, the mayor has a mole or a birthmark on his face, uh-huh. which this impersonator does not have. But he brought his own, <laughs> he brought his own like makeup pencil or whatever, so that when he was ready to be Mayor Nenshi, he would draw this on his face, and that's how we knew he was ready to go. Wow, true professional. Very, very, very professional. Uh, in a, in a town where you know there's steep competition for professional. Uh, lookalikes. There's a professional Don Cherry lookalike um, <laughs> who's never seen without his high collar, and I think that um, that Benenci may almost have him beat for for professionalism. Oh, that's hilarious! And, and it fooled. Uh, what was it? Uh, Beatroot.ca. The, the I read an article about the show, and they had a <laughs> put a correction at the end. Sorry, Nenshi did not really appear in this sketch. Oh man, that is funny. That is, I did not read that Beatroot article. But uh, now you're enticing me to to go back and read my own press. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, Our definitely. Our own press. Our own press. I yes. Yes, and because you are part of the, not you're not only a performer, but you are actually a writer of the show as well. Yeah, actually, all everyone except for, no, I think everyone who was a regular cast member on it was uh, was, was part of the writing process. Yeah, it was really great because you kind of got to, or not kind of, but you did get to uh, see your stuff through pretty well to the end. And, uh, and yeah, so it really started with us, like, kicking around ideas shortly before Christmas and spending, like, I think we spent three months, like, every Tuesday and Thursday night after everyone's responsibilities were done for the day and then the odd, like, full weekend day. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then we would take stuff away and kind of write it uh, at home and then bring it back to be beat up around the writer's table for... for you know, for, for however long it was seen to, to do that. You know, we got to cast our own sketches, and then we handed it off. We had two directors, um, Chris Markowski and, and Ramin Yazdi, who uh, is Ragi Yazdi, who uh, then were, like, responsible for um, directing them on the set that day. But everything to, like, casting, um, writing, casting, once it was, it was it was us that got to do it, and then, and then uh, yeah, really see it through to to the end so it was a pretty neat process yeah and i saw like you mentioned uh ramin i saw that he's also uh aside from the creator and uh, co-director is a producer editor head writer so i mean this guy really uh put everything into this well and the crazy part to me is he's on screen in like three different he's only in like three sketches and he's the best part of every sketch he's in (laughs) it's only hilarious on screen and i was talking to him after 
we screen it. And I was like, well, I mean, if we do this again, you have to be in it a hundred times more. And he's like, eh, no, I just want to keep doing what I'm doing. And I'm like, oh man, like you would be the, the breakout star of this thing if you were in it. But he's just totally, he just wants to do the work, doesn't need the spotlight, doesn't need the fame. And he's willing to uh, leave it to some uh, more thirsty people like myself <laughs> to, uh, to to take that spotlight. But yeah, Ramin uh, Ramin is really the guy who's who's uh, who's behind this. He and Chris co-created it. Ramin uh, uh, is the guy who had the uh, who who had been hustling hard to to get this thing uh, sold and produced. And, and uh, yeah, it's really he and Chris who are the the guys who really made this happen. And I was just lucky enough to be along for the ride. Yeah, when I heard not too long ago about this show, I, I was like, oh, wow. So I talked to you, and I, I was able to thank you very much, by the way. I got to see the uh, the five-episode run of the show. Did you watch them all? Oh, yeah, I watched them all. I took notes. Good heavens. Oh, yeah. It, uh, I was pleasantly surprised to see that not only were you a writer, I figured, oh, well, let me see if I can see Evan in some of these sketches. You were very much a featured player here. I, you know, that was not uh, expected. I was brought aboard because uh, Ramin had asked me to help him pull together writer's room and a cast. And if you watch the the pilot, I'm kind of a, uh, you know how, uh, like, if you go back and watch Wayne Gretzky's Waikiki Hockey and, like, Conan O'Brien is the waiter? <laughs> like, that's kind of the role I was playing in a lot of it. And then... Uh, in, yeah, in this, I'm in it quite a bit more than I had expected, and it was, uh, it was I, I've done some things, uh, you know, if you want to Google uh, three in a car or three in a bed, you know, like, the, I, I've definitely been on camera before, but just not quite that much, so it was a fun challenge to, especially someone like myself who has a lot of opinions on what works and what doesn't for other people. It, I was on, like I say, I was on a lot more than I had expected, and uh, it was a fun challenge and it took uh you know it took quite a bit to get comfortable with and i hope it doesn't show that much on screen that it took quite a while to get comfortable with it oh no no not at all it was it was great and uh i, I should mention too your your co-stars are uh renee amber christopher claire covey holland andrew fung alan stickle mandy stobo and yourself yeah now andrew fung who i've heard many times on uh, on your show, he's a friend of. Am I right? I, I I'm assuming a friend of of yours and Jesse's. Yeah, and uh, yeah, he's just a, he's he's a local. He comes from the Loose Moose Theater here. He and Renee do a show called Pass Your Bedtime every Friday night, and the two of them kind of came as a package. They're really uh, Andrew is like this super charming, high energy, uh, you know, dynamo on stage. Renee is also very charming but a little bit more reserved and a little bit more down-to-earth. And they do this show where it's basically like Renee becomes this planet that uh, Andrew revolves around. And, and she provides the reality for the sketches and grounds the sketches, you know, the improv sketches that they do, mm -hmm. to, to bring Andrew into Earth's orbit with his energy <laughs> and, and, and things like that. But the two of them are... I don't know if you noticed, they're in a lot of sketches together, and it's because they kind of have been working for years together to be, uh, you know, to, to, to kind of get to that. Like, it's, it's funny because really Andrew and Renee have this weekly show together where they improvise every week, so they're a unit. Colby and Andrew do a lot of improv together, so they're a unit, and it was really just a matter of, like, taking these, like, you know, these three 
and uh, so, you know, adding kind of more support around this foundation that they already have together. Yeah, and that's great. Yeah, definitely. It just like I said, you, you could probably see that they're super comfortable with uh, with each other. Yeah, and and Andrew's won some uh, some awards locally, hasn't he? He is. He's uh, he's often a uh, best comedian, best actor in Calgary award. There's lots of uh, he's he's really a. a, a in Halifax, they would call him Halifamous, so I guess in Calgary you would call him Califamous. <laughs> and also, uh, Mandy Stobo, who I had only known as uh, the great artist behind Bad Portraits. Yeah. And I was pleasantly surprised to see that she's a great actress as well. Oh, she's a ama- You should check out, I don't know if this has made it to the U.S. yet, but uh, there's a movie that was made here called The Valley Below. Which is a uh, which is just a movie. It's like a, an anthology movie of uh, you know the, the the lives and couplings of different uh, people here in uh, southern Alberta, made by North Country Cinema, and it's it's a dramatic movie. And she's one of the leads in that. And uh, yeah, she's 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 really super talented. She's somebody that can do anything. I think, um, and also super hilarious in the way that she like. She underplays so much in Cowtown. Mm-hmm. Like she's kind of like the reality I find in a lot of the sketches that she's in. And uh, oh, she's so funny without saying anything. Yeah, you guys have a, such a good uh, artistic and comedic uh, community built up there, and it's uh, it's great to see a good uh, representation of that in the uh, the cast of the show. Yeah, well, and it's it's kind of neat too. Like um, people who were, you know, we we filmed a lot of evenings and weekends. And part of that was, you know, we have things like Fargo that are filming here in town. Uh, the Revenant, which is the, the new Inaratu movie with Leonardo DiCaprio, which has been famously plagued with uh, lots of bad luck while it's filmed here. Oh, wow. Um, and, like, the, the makeup and the, and the art and the set deck people, their day jobs was working on these, you know, on this, the Revenant and Fargo and Hell on Wheels and all of these different things. So... Um, you know, there's lots of work going on, and I, I think like the talent of all those people really shows on on screen around us as well. I hope it does, anyway. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's but there's something, especially for someone like me who's an amateur, being around all these like super professional, super competent people, really, you know, really made me be aware that I had to up my game, you know, and and, and be ready and and kind of throw myself into it and commit to like, you know, comedy is all commitment. Yeah. Um, you know, so it really was like, okay, I can commit to this and, because everybody else is, and nobody's going to think I'm ridiculous. <laughs> this is just how things operate, right? So, and, and you're no schmo either. I mean, you're let's face it, you're you're a big wheel up there. You're a uh, a heavy hitter in the the comedic circles, from what I hear. Uh, I'm a hustler. I hustle. <laughs> That's all I do. I get myself in front of the right people. <laughs> uh, you're you're a, a curator of talent as well. Uh, yeah, I yeah, I think so. I. I uh, curate the Flat Island uh, comedy portion. I do work with the uh, do work with the Calgary Folk Fest on their talk tent. Yeah, I do what I can. Yeah, so you were you were a get for Ramin, right? <laughs> sure. <laughs> yes, I will carry that into negotiations for next time around. <laughs> hey, it's something. It's something. It's got listeners. It's legitimate. Uh, there's no reason I shouldn't use it. I got I got a press tag in my hat. Thank you. That's the only reason I answered the phone. <laughs> I, I had this uh, this sappy question. I, I had to ask this. Now, Evan, would you say that the city itself is a character? <laughs> you know, it's really funny. It's 
going to say something like that, and I was like, <laughs> you know what? That's just on the screen. I think anybody watching knows what the city is again. But, it, you know, in all seriousness, it is, but it's not to the point where it's like, all right, we get it. Calgary, Calgary, Calgary. We're not hit over the head with it so much that I'm like, well, I got to live here to kind of know what they're getting at. No, and I think that that's kind of, you know, the thing that we kept coming back to in, in when we were writing, it was like, you know, the whole thing with Portlandia, um, you know, and that's kind of how it was pitched, as mm-hmm. I said before. But the thing with Portlandia is, you know, it's not about Portland. It's about, like, it's, you know, the sensibility of Fred Armisen and Carrie Brownstein and what they think is funny. And then it's put into this universe that they're just calling Portland. Yeah, yeah. You know, and they're a little bit more direct where they have like the mayor of Portland and stuff like that. You know, the the fictional mayor of Portland and, you know, there's that reality wrapping around it a little bit more. But with us, like I, like I was saying before, like, you know, we kind of kicked ideas around, you know, about what people think about in town here and how they frame. I like, you know, this thing about just wait five minutes about the weather. Yeah, yeah. That's a thing that we, you know, that's something that like corny people say in Calgary all the time. <laughs> or like... Uh, there's there's a sketch plan at Holly World North, which had originally been based on the fact that like people in Calgary love to point out where like the movie Rad was filmed in town or where Superman Three was filmed or Cool Runnings, <laughs> and you know it came from that aspect of it. Or there's one sketch where there's a uh, a Google Maps app that uses like your past to help you get around. Yes, yes. That came from the mayor loves to say you can tell how long someone's been in Calgary by when they give you directions for th- using things that weren't, that aren't there anymore. You know, turn left where the Dairy Queen used to be. Okay. So all of those things were kind of, uh, you know, the germ of the sketches come from like something that we might've been joking about that happens here, but I don't think you need to know that for the, the, the actual joke to work. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's what I've noticed. I, I see. I didn't even know that about the the GPS sketch, but that was funny on its own without having that uh, prior knowledge. Yeah, and I remember when I pitched it, it was like much more direct about like this line, like you know, you give directions based on where things used to be. But then, like, if you're tied to that, like you're just kind of doing it for your parents. Yeah, yeah. You know, you're not doing it for the rest of the internet. <laughs> This right here is Dr. Lee's Miraculous Tonic and Haberdashery Oil. I sell it as part of my traveling caravan medicine show across North America. This all-in-one elixir cures baldness, tuberculosis, overheating, cholera, chapped lips, the blue, the black, and now the orange plague, as well as any other ailments that might be affecting you. Wait, did you say baldness? Yes, I did. How about nipple rashes? Sounds great. Yellowing toenails. Oh, easy. Small feet. Haven't heard of it, because we've cured it. The grannies. It's a perfect cure. The common cold. (laughs) That's not a thing. I don't know why you're talking. Just from pressing play on episode one, I noticed right away, like, I think it was the the Lion's Den sketch it opens up on? Yes, that's uh, based on... um... That is, uh, what is it, Dragon's Den here, and I think Shark Tank in the United States? Yes, yes, we have the, the Mark Cuban version here. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it, uh, right away, because I, I didn't know what I was getting into, you know, I noticed uh, there's a beautiful set, 
beautiful costume design and like right away from the get-go I think speaking on behalf of myself at least the audience has shown in these sketches that this is not like a cheap low budget looking thing that you guys made in a rented space or basement or something I mean this is like a real television show well it's it's you know what now that you say it never occurred to me but you might be onto something there that was actually the last thing that we filmed oh wow um was that uh, the last thing that we filmed was that that day uh, we filmed it at the lovely Palliser Hotel uh, here in Calgary, uh, which is a, a cousin hotel to the uh, to the Royal York in Toronto that I was discussing before. Okay. Also to the Hotel McDonald, also a Fairmont hotel in um, in uh, in Edmonton, where SCTV's famous Neil uh, what's his name uh, the Christmas sketch with uh, with Neil Simon, the Neil Simon Christmas Nutcracker Prince sketch. Uh, so you know. Canadian comedy has to be filmed at Fairmont Hotels, <laughs> specifically Fairmont Hotels in uh, Alberta, to make it work. And yeah, I, you know, I never thought that, oh yeah, they, we might have done that to make it look as legitimate as it actually was. But yeah, that's just a fancy hotel downtown. The All of the all of the, uh, the wardrobe was just from Theatre Calgary, like the big local uh, 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 theatrical uh, organization. So again, talking about all the stuff that's in Calgary and all the talent, like that's just stuff that's laying around, right? That people have made for other productions here. Wow, that's great. I, do, I love in that sketch. The there's not to give anything away. There's a list of diseases that's uh, run off. There's another Lions Den sketch in another episode where uh, you as Thomas Edison kind of go back and forth with him. It's a witch in a bottle. It's a witch in a bottle. Take him out. Take him away. Please take him away. Sweep it off the floor. Sweep the floor away. Not a sport. It is not a sport. Do not bring this into my house. I have a preacher. I have a preacher on retainer. My mother never said Buffalo Joes. My mother never Buffalo Joes. Working on the street. Working on the street. You can't get ahead if you got no faith. That's Kobe Holland. That's Kobe Holland just with a mic on, or not a mic. That's Kobe just with the camera pointed at him for 10 minutes one afternoon. That went on for, actually, you know what? Him shouting me down the whole time, I don't think I was actually there for it. Oh, really? Okay. That's the magic of film is I was, uh, I did my part. And I think yeah, he was just like, this was just him yelling at one point. Actually, no, I was there because you can hear me in the background. Okay. I'm okay. off mic, but you can hear me. But it was, I mean, this is a low budget show. We like, we moved quickly. Yeah. It's funny that basically, um, Ramin and Chris had never shot this kind of thing before. Um, Ramin does like more documentary and music video kind of work, but it's, it's funny. They had found a, an article online or it might've been a message board post from the guy who directs all of key and peels sketches and puts their show together and they're like okay this is how the guy from key and peel does it he's probably a pro we're gonna like organize our days like key and peel organize there so like show up half day for one sketch the second half of the day for the second sketch of the day and uh it's kind of it's kind of funny how it was like that's how everything was structured so those two lion's den sketches were just filmed one morning just quick 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 wow that's yeah that was great and you know saying it's a it was low budget i mean you guys uh, hide it very well. Well, I will. That's a that's a compliment to our uh, our tech crew and uh, Chris and Ramin, and I will be happy to pass that along to them. Yeah, please do. 
yeah, it looks it looks really great. And that was kind of Ramin said from the start, he's like, I want to make this look like it's real deal, look like a film set, and uh, we're going to go all out on that. So I'm glad that uh, that you've noticed that. It's like I'm paying for my grandmother's grandmother who was kidnapped by some sea monster and they fell in love. Sometimes I wish I was more monster than human. Thank you, Jessica, for sharing with us tonight. And I notice we have a late cover. Welcome back, Matthew. Would you care to speak with the group? The, another thing, Evan, there, there's a, the, <laughs> the sketch with the, the half monsters. Oh, yes. That Dracula voice killed me. I have to well, say. Uh, I, I apologize to uh, Joe Flaherty. Uh, <laughs> uh, if, if you notice, I'm basically uh, Count Floyd without a cape. Yes, yes. And um, the voice is my worst approximation of Count Floyd. Oh, that was so funny. Somewhere there is me doing that straight with my own voice. And I was told, no, you have to like do a little bit more of a performance here, buddy. Oh, it was so funny. And uh, that's what it turned into. <laughs> Uh, it was great because it, it wasn't uh, over the top in terms of like you trying to like ham it up. It was just a, this was a, a serious character. You know, he was at a support group. And uh, <laughs> but the, that voice was your voice coming through. It's hilarious. <laughs> well, I, I appreciate that. I'm glad someone liked it. Oh, uh, just it, 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 me, me trying to avoid. Uh, me trying to avoid uh, being too overse in uh, who I was trying to rip off. I'm glad it, uh, it worked. Uh, I didn't expect it, and it, just, it killed me. That was so funny. <laughs> in in the, the second episode, you guys uh, play a couple of guys at the gym? Yes, uh, I think it's, what is it, uh, uh, Soul Patch and Buns? Yeah, Soul Patch and Buns, who also have a, a, a YouTube Q&A channel. Yes. As we were watching it, like, Kovi is so funny. Kovi is so funny, and he's quick, and he's talented. And watching that, like, if I, all I see, excuse me, watching the kind of, like, interstitials with us in our web series is watching me watch Kovi and <laughs> see the relief on my face that he's doing all the heavy lifting <laughs> until the last one where I try to talk, and I know that it's just like a bone being thrown to me because you go from like these two minute segments to when it's my turn to improvise, it's like 35 seconds, which is like, <laughs> that's exactly as long as I could watch myself rewatching that. And it's like, no, bring it back to Kobe. Just more Kobe, please. More Kobe. Let me watch Kobe. I'm uh, happy to do that. Now you had some good, good moments in that. I was cracking up. What was it about the buns? was named you assume because he has a bun on his head and then you explain that it wasn't it was the other way around you just kind of grew into it <laughs> yeah. and that was all improvised oh yeah that was just basically that was like 11 o'clock we had to go into the gym after the gym closed oh okay set up. um we had set up in in uh Cochrane, alberta that was uh one of the crew members that was the gym that they actually go to uh and so we were able to go in after everything closed there's a real weightlifting sketch there. Try to try to see if you can pinpoint the take where my arms fail, <laughs> and um, and then we filmed. We just improvised those little goof arounds for like a half an hour, forty five minutes after that wrapped up. Wow, yeah, because I was going to ask. You can't see my arm fail. You can see where I'm like, this is it. <laughs> the <laughs> last one. You're getting out of me. <laughs> you know, I was watching it, and I'm like, man, those look like real weights, and I. I was watching like how many got how many times you guys were uh were lifting and my, my question was how many reps bro that's what i, I wrote in my notes 
you know what? I don't. I don't remember. I was kind of blacked out in uh, in in pain on that. But you know what? They were just five pound weights. So uh, <laughs> let's say five hundred. Okay. Yeah. 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 That was great. There's some some uh, great improvisation there too. Or is it, was it Kobe yelling, "Dad's watching," or was that you? Oh yeah. Well, no, it's so funny because yeah, Kobe is like improvising all these lines throughout, whereas I'm just making <laughs> huff and puff noises. <laughs> oh, that stuff's great. That's that's in the second episode, so definitely something for people to look forward to. And that comes out when? Next Friday. Next Friday. The uh, the diner sketch. That's the uh, the Planet Hollywood North you were talking about. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Planet Holly World North. We didn't want to get sued. Yes. World. <laughs> yeah, by who? Uh, Sylvester Stallone and uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger? Well, the, probably like the holding company who bought the, the company after they were like, wait a second, we're movie stars, not restaurateurs. <laughs> I noticed uh, Sarah Adams, who I first heard on your show, and she's the, uh, the host of Don't Smile on CJSW. Also, uh, she is from the... Uh, Three in a car, three in the bed series that uh, that that has uh, that features myself and Mandy as well. Oh, so check those out. Mm-hmm. Check those out. It uh, yeah, just some funny stuff in that, and I, I love the the CJSW shirt. I noticed that. <laughs> yeah, that's this is uh, the the non period sketches we all had to uh, we all had to provide our own wardrobe. Yeah, yeah. I wasn't prepared. Uh, to wear like a white T-shirt on uh, on an HD camera, that's uh, <laughs> how CJSW gets featured. Also, Ramin and I met through CJSW, so it's a it's a nice reference to kind of where all of this would have uh, blossomed. Oh, nice! And uh, speaking of wardrobe, I noticed in the uh, the virtual confession booth sketch, you're uh, repping the best show. <laughs> yeah, of course. That was great. We have to get that in. Well, I have to get that in. You know, as much as I can. I did one thing called. Uh, um, this is a couple of years ago. It was a it was a short called Pregnant Jack. I was in, and uh, I wore a Best Show shirt. Like the, I don't know if you remember, it was like the one where it's like the Best Show on WFMU, as if it was a ride, and the guy was on like the flume going into the ride. Oh, okay, I don't think I've seen that one. It's oh, 2009 premium, 2010 maybe, and somebody at the screening was like. Uh, are you sure the character you played would be wearing a best show in WFMU shirt? <laughs> and I was like, you should just watch your mouth, man. <laughs> uh, well, I just, uh, I love seeing the reference. That was great. And any, <laughs> anytime you could sneak in best show references, I, I talk about it probably way too much on, on this show as well. I, I don't know how uh, happy Tom would be with the, sort of character who was wearing that shirt but uh, you know <laughs> you gotta, he's got to take the promotions where he can get it right <laughs> that's true and uh, okay I have to mention this my favorite sketch of all of them and this is before I looked at the credits to see who wrote it was <laughs> the Newfanese training course oh it's a hit right oh it was hilarious and that's when I discovered Fate's introduction to Newfanese and turned my life around with modules like basic understanding, I finally understood what my boss was actually saying. Got me some squish on the go there, bye. Oh, she couldn't there, bye. You just off to Joey and Clara there, bye. With advanced modules like speaking, I've been given the leg up, so I'm ready to lead and fit in. That was, uh, I, this is, this is, and, and, and particularly resonant here in, in Alberta, because with the resource industry, 
brings in, I'm a displaced maritimer myself, um, you know, that ends up here in, in Alberta. So lots, especially up north, lots of Newfoundlanders. Newfoundlanders have their, uh, their own particular, uh, uh, you know, slang and way of speaking. And in the pilot, Ramin had created this uh, fate, this, uh, I don't even know what fate stands for, but it just rhymes with Nate and fate, which are our technical colleges here. Okay. Like, how can you not, like... A chance for funny people, I should say. I'm not really in this sketch, so I'm not talking about. I'm talking about Covey and Renee um, and Andrew Fung. Uh, you know, saying like Newfoundland sayings with <laughs> accents. Yes. In Newfoundland accents, which are you know lots of intelligent Newfoundlanders. It's not a stupid accent, uh, but it's a funny accent. And uh, and knowing full well that they have no idea <laughs> what they're saying, uh, that was so much fun. It took Andrew like an hour to film his, uh, his talking headpiece because he didn't know what he was saying. And because he didn't know what he was saying, there's no context there to know how to say it without coaching. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it was cracking me up. The, the Guan, Guan, which, uh, is, uh, are you kidding? Oh, what you're about. Oh, what you're about. <laughs> and, and Renee killed it. I mean, that was just incredible. And it was subtitled, I think. Yes. Yes. I, I got a, I got like a late night email from Ramin one like Friday night and he's like, can you watch, this rough cut of the sketch and tell me what the English version of everything is so that I can subtitle it because I have no idea what any of it is. Oh, man. Oh, it was so funny. Thank you. I, I, I'm hoping that it doesn't uh, end with... There's there's these, like... I hope, I hope it doesn't end with people at my door, like, given the number of Newfoundlanders that are, that are here in Calgary. But the other thing is, there's, like, these, like, language videos where it's like, hey, this is what... Like, I'm trying totally to cash in on this kind of thing. There's one that's like how PEI people talk that has like a million hits on it. Mm -hmm. It's just these guys like sitting around drinking and smoking and saying PEI stuff, (laughs) Edward Island stuff with the translations on the bottom. Now I think they're actually from PEI, so they're going to get away with it. This is like my bid at that kind of like virality. I was like, you know what? You know who loves to hear these jokes? Everyone in Canada that's not a Newfoundlander loves these jokes. (laughs) First jokes you learn, especially as a Cape Bretoner, is a Newfoundlander joke. Like, they're your go-to. You know, you might, you know, some people may hear them as blonde jokes. Yeah, yeah. The English-speaking world, we hear them as Newfoundland jokes. So this is just my bit at uh, <laughs> a Newfoundland joke for the YouTube world. And, and I think it's it's sensitively done. It's not like making fun of people from Newfoundland. It's just, like you said, poking fun at an accent that's very unique. And hilarious. And the way that they talk, like, everything that comes out of their mouth is poetry. That's why it's fun to, to talk like. Yeah, I mean, like, everybody, there's there's regional dialects everywhere. I mean, anybody making fun of New England and Boston, our area, it's like, there's no R's. And uh, <laughs> ca- cockies, you gotta get your cockies. And not speaking of the light brown pants. We, we, we always think when we were growing up watching that, uh, there was, what's the best way on Saturday Night Live? It's like, Worcester, Quincy Mayer. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yep. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I have family that talks like that. Fortunately, <laughs> I took after my father, who uh, was born with the ability to sound out the letter R. So I'm very thankful for that. <laughs> very thankful for that. Well, Evan, the, these sketches were so great. I don't want to give away any more. And uh, I just want to encourage anybody out there that's listening, please check it out. If you're in Western Canada and you are a TELUS subscriber, uh, please check it out. It's on demand there. 
Yeah, yeah. Watch it on Telesoptic. They can track that, and the more people that are watching it on Telesoptic that are subscribers, the more likely it is they're going to pick us up for a second season. I really want a second uh, kick at that can because I think, like, I'm really, I'm, I'm really proud of this, and I, I, you know, I want to 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 do more and really like show off what we learned the first time around. Oh yeah, and I'm I'm definitely rooting for a second season after seeing season one. Excellent. Well, write to tell us. Let them know. Tweet at Telesoptics. Say more Cowtown, please. Definitely will do. And uh, tell Ramin, if he wants to lift any jokes from the Am I Right movie, he's more than welcome to. <laughs> I will send him the sides tonight. <laughs> please do not. <laughs> oh, man. So, yeah, check that out. And uh, for the rest of us that are not in Western Canada, please uh, subscribe to the Cowtown Comedy YouTube channel. You can follow Cowtown Comedy on Twitter. And, uh, yeah, uh, check it out. Um, give it the, the like, the thumbs up, uh, anything, anything you can do to definitely support, uh, some great shows like this that probably would have, uh, otherwise escaped your notice. Well, that's awesome. Thank you. That's, and thanks for having me, Scott. This has been a lot of fun and, uh, thanks to everyone for listening. I hope you haven't, uh, I hope, I hope everyone has made it this far to hear the plug, basically. Oh, sure. Come on. Uh, the friends of Tom know who you are. Oh, geez. Uh, I don't know. Maybe. I guess we're going to find out. Well, they should, anyway. If you're a friend of Tom listening, go back and listen to those those great Am I Right episodes with Tom and Andy, too. Oh, man. They're dreams. <laughs> well, that'll pretty much do it for this episode of Hitting Play. As always, you can email us with your comments, suggestions, uh, whatever you got for us at hittingplayshow at gmail.com, or you can talk to us on Twitter at Hitting Play. And, Evan, do you have anything you want to plug? Yeah, the big thing is... Uh, if uh, just check out Cowtown on YouTube, it's Cowtown Comedy on YouTube. Uh, you can you can Google for that. Turn it up. Also check out. I'm really uh, you know I, I did uh, three in a car uh, and, and three in a bed. As I said with Mandy Stobo and Sarah Adams, written by uh, Jason Filiatro, who is the famous at sarcastic rover on Twitter. So check those out uh, on uh, if you, if you go to uh, Vimeo.com/slash. Uh, Jason Ciliatro, uh, you can see those, and uh, yeah, just I'm on Twitter at, at EvanW2K. Very good. Uh, I'm on Twitter as well, and Vine. My name's there, our MC and friends. You can find me there. And uh, for those that listen to us on iTunes, uh, please uh, leave us a five-star review, especially after hearing this, all you uh, Evan Wilson fans. Uh, definitely helps us out, and we give out a shout-out on the show to anybody leaving us a five-star review. Uh, we're also on Stitcher, so you can find us there as well if you're uh, used to Android devices. Well, Evan, this was great. Thank you really so much for taking the time to uh, be on the show and, and to do this. It's always nice talking with you. It was great catching up with you, Scott, and thanks for having me on, and uh, hopefully we talk again for season two. Oh, please, definitely. Awesome. Thanks, buddy. All right, thanks, Evan. Okay, bye now. Bye-bye. Well, this has been Hitting Play. Thank you so much for listening.